Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. A lot to talk about. The Joe Biden, Hunter Biden corruption scandal is heated up. I'll talk about that. On top of that, we're in front of the Supreme Court on a big race-based admission policy challenge. Of course, the liberal left engaged in racially discriminatory activity that we're trying to stop. Uh, Plus, there's uh, new information out about the Capitol riot. I'll talk about what Judicial Watch is doing to uncover the full truth about the uh, Capitol riot and what happened. And um, you'd be surprised about, well, I guess you wouldn't be surprised about the lack of transparency from the Pelosi House and its allies in the Biden administration and local government here in D.C. about what happened on that day. Uh, First up, though, is the Hunter Biden scandal. Uh, you know, with so many D.C. scandals, the scandal is often sometimes not even about the scandal. You've got the underlying activity by Hunter Biden. You have involvement by the uh, president of the United States, Joe Biden, at least previously in his criminal activity, it looks like, based on the evidence that's out there. And then you've got the scandal of the cover-up. Now, I've never been one of those folks that have said, well, the cover-up is worse than the scandal. Usually the cover-up means that there's a pretty big scandal underneath. Uh, You know, that's just uh, Washington talk for uh, targeting Republicans who object to investigations and then accusing them of a cover-up when, in fact, the target of the investigation, the underlying conduct, didn't warrant the investigation, so they pretend that the cover-up is the real crime, uh, when, in fact, it's not. we saw that with the Trump administration, where you had this targeting of President Trump, nothing underlying the investigation in terms of any credible information that should have been investigated. So they pretended that, quote, lying about the investigation, when in fact it was like, I don't think that many people lied about anything, became the crime as opposed to uh, the underlying issue that was supposed to be investigated in the public interest to begin with. Uh, But here, there really is a scandal in the cover-up in the sense that the infamous Hunter laptop and Hunter generally have been on the radar or should have been on the radar, more specifically, of the Justice Department and the FBI for years. Yet it was covered up. And outrageously, it was even covered up specifically uh, by Attorney General Barr's uh, Justice Department uh, before the election. So by refusing to do anything significant related to the Hunter Biden criminal investigation, uh, the Justice Department, per usual, uh, practically speaking, took sides in the election fight. I tell you what, when you refuse to do your job uh, because you may not like the political consequences of it, you know, that's that's politics as well. And uh, it was really outrageous that the Justice Department covered up, and it's not surprising, but still outrageous that they covered up for Hunter Biden last year. And they're still continuing to cover up. And that's the scandal I want to talk about today. So Hunter Biden's in the news again because he has a book out there. He's trading on his father's name, which isn't necessarily illegal. 
uh, talking about his addiction and, you know, pretending he did nothing wrong. Uh, but he's essentially admitted in uh, interviews, uh, to a degree anyone's really asked him anything substantive about the corruption allegations surrounding his uh, uh, essentially getting uh, cushy jobs and uh, special deals with the Chinese communists and, and Burisma uh, while his father was vice president. Uh, he essentially admitted or didn't rule out. He said it, it could be his, the laptop. Now, the laptop obviously is his. I don't think anyone seriously thinks it isn't. Uh, it's been forensically examined by an independent journalist entity, the Daily Mail, uh, that further confirms that it is. Of course, you know, we have documents that have been publicly released that show that the FBI had subpoenaed this specific laptop. So the documents on the laptop and other testimony shows that Joe Biden was lying about his involvement in his son's business. And secondly, that his father was benefiting from his son's business, the business is which is now the subject of a criminal investigation. Now, like I said, the evidence shows, right? So what does that mean when the evidence shows? It means that law enforcement has a good enough reason to open an investigation. It's not just guessing. It's not just, oh, well, I don't like Joe Biden, therefore he should be investigated. No, there's evidence that there was a pay-to-play scheme that was racketeering involving the President Biden and his family that began in the least while he was vice president and uh, continued to who knows when. And so, uh, as I said, the big problem was the cover up of those allegations, the refusal to investigate them during uh, the last few years. Now, supposedly there is an ongoing investigation by the FBI and Justice Department to Hunter Biden. But the scandal is that the regulations of the Justice Department that uh, that they use to torture President Trump are not being applied to President Biden. And those are the regulations requiring the appointment of a special counsel. Now, a special counsel typically is supposed to be appointed when there's an appearance of a conflict of interest. So Attorney General Merrick Garland, who's the new attorney general, it directly reports to uh, President Biden. And uh, how can the Justice Department run by uh, political appointees of President Biden, investigate Biden and his family or his family, his son specifically, while, uh, while maintaining um, the appearance that justice is being fairly administered? They can't. Now, you may recall, I'm not a big fan of special counsels, but the fact is they're there. That's what the regulation requires. One should never have been appointed for President Trump since there was no underlying issue for to be uh, to investigate. But here we already know there's an investigation into Hunter Biden. So now it's April and there is still no special counsel for Joe Biden's family corruption issues. Now, we have a petition on change.org. We'll put it there. We've had petitions elsewhere calling on the Justice Department to appoint a special counsel. Now, I'm not naive in the sense that a special counsel is going to solve all of the Biden corruption issues and start prosecuting people. I mean, we, you know, I, I see Durham. Where is Durham, right? But the process ought to at least take place so that there's at least a modicum of accountability. I mean, the rules require it, according to the Justice Department. You know, we're all supposed to fall down on the ground and, 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 and be struck dumb at the mention of special counsel Mueller. 
how important it was that the Justice Department be independent and have an independent investigation of President Trump. It was, real, it was really basically harassment. But here, the Justice Department refuses to do anything significant against Joe Biden, despite the evidence that he's directly implicated in his son's racketeering. Now, that all being said, we want a special counsel for Joe Biden. As I said, we don't rely necessarily on the Justice Department to do the right thing, even if a special counsel is appointed, because you can bet a special counsel who's appointed by Merrick Garland probably is going to be a, um, uh, have a, uh, a weak tea approach. I think, I don't know if that's a proper metaphor uh, to investigating this issue. So it's going to be up to Judicial Watch, once again, to do the basic investigations. I mean, so much of what we know about uh, the corruption of uh, the Obama era, the targeting of President Trump, even a lot of what we know about what Joe Biden was up to and Hunter Biden was up to is because of Judicial Watch. We had covered, for instance, that the Secret Service provided coverage and protection for Hunter Biden on 400 trips, including trips to 29 countries and five trips to China while his father was vice president of the United States. Five trips to China. Uh, we also found that there were State Department emails, these State Department emails uh, showing that there was concern in the Obama administration about uh, Biden's uh, compromised position as a result of his son's involvement with the corrupt Burisma company. One of the, one of the witnesses who testified in the Trump impeachment trial, one of the State Department officials, I think it was a, um, Mr. Kent, I think is his name. He's, he's writing an email to Ambassador Yovanovitch, who looks to me gave false testimony about her knowledge of Burisma, saying, oh, look, the Russians are essentially trolling Biden because Biden's talking about his anti-corruption activities in Ukraine, and the Russians are like, are you kidding me? Your son's on the Burisma board. You're going to come in and lecture anyone about anti-corruption? It presented a foreign relations problem for the United States government at the time. Again, that material is it's available on our website at judicialwatch.org. Maybe we'll put it as a link in the discussions below. That didn't come out because of Congress. Frankly, Congress didn't get the information. I and mean, Judicial Watch is doing the basic heavy lifting again on the Biden corruption scandal. I mean, much of what we know about the laptop isn't because of government investigations. It's because of independent folks like Rudy Giuliani and the New York Post and now the Daily Mail and all the other folks who have separately run down uh, what's in the Hunter Biden laptop. So I really, you know, I, I, I don't want anyone to be addicted to anything, right? I don't, I don't, I don't wish ill will, at least health wise, on, um, on, on Hunter Biden or anyone, or anyone, anyone. But despite his addiction problems, it's pretty clear based on the emails that I've reviewed and looking at uh, his public appearances, Hunter Biden is knows exactly what he was doing. And so he should be held fully accountable for any misconduct. And we need to know 
whether his father was benefiting as the documents and texts and other uh, information suggests from the monies he was getting from abroad and through his uh, shady operations, Hunter Biden's shady oper operations. 10% for the big guy. What does that mean? And as Rudy Giuliani pointed out, you may recall we had a discussion with him a few months ago about this issue. You know, you don't need to bribe someone directly to be engaged in bribery that benefits that person. Meaning if you're a father and someone wants to bribe the father, he takes care of the son. And that's a bribe too. So this is this is kind of the almost the very definition of RICO, the racketeering influence and corrupt organizations activity that is sometimes prosecuted as it relates to the mafia, drug dealers, and people like that. There needs to be a RICO investigation of the Biden family. And uh, Judicial Watch has ongoing litigation. Well over, we've got to have at least a dozen lawsuits on this already. Hundreds of Freedom of Information Act requests tied to the Biden issue and the related Obama gate issues. Because remember, President Trump was impeached because he asked questions about Biden corruption. Impeached. That's how desperate they were to cover it up and to kind of scare anyone off from asking questions about it. So, uh, you know, the media won't talk about this, but this is the no president has come into office with such personal corruption issues in recent American history as Joe Biden. At least publicly known. I think Lyndon Johnson was was probably pretty personally was personally pretty darn corrupt. But that's I think that's the only comparable president in recent history that has been as directly compromised in terms of corruption issues as Joe Biden. Uh, so uh, I, I and and again, where has been the Republican leadership on this? I mean, I understand why Democrat. Well, I don't understand it. I'm not. I'm just. I understand politically why Democrats aren't holding Joe Biden accountable to the rule of law. But where are the Republicans on this? Do you hear anyone on TV talking about this? Do you hear any Republican leaders talking about this? I don't. You know, and Joe Biden could be innocent, right? All this evidence looks terrible. And it turns out they do a thorough investigation and there's nothing there. Uh, and they shut it down. But, you know, maybe that's the case. But there needs to be an investigation. We need to get the questions asked. I mean, prosecution's okay. You know, if someone gets prosecuted, great. If the evidence warrants it. We can't even get the questions asked by this corrupt Justice Department. We can't even get the questions asked. That's my chief complaint with Durham. I'm not seeing evidence, publicly available at least, that he's done the sort of comprehensive investigation that we expected from him. He's now, quote, officially a special counsel. And it's been over two years. He was appointed in April of 2019. Nothing. One person was prosecuted. And that person was handed to him on a silver platter by the Inspector General, the FBI agent lawyer who uh, altered documents to uh, falsify, uh, that led to the falsification of FISA warrants targeting the Trump team. 
So we want the Justice Department to do its job. And if it can't do its job, then why do we have a Justice Department? Why do we have a Justice Department? Uh, so uh, you, can be you can be sure that Judicial Watch will continue to do the investigation separately, but you should ask your members of Congress to uh, speak out publicly about these Biden corruption issues because nothing will be done at the Justice Department unless political pressure is brought to bear and, and, it, and, and, and the public pressure is brought to bear. Well, let's now talk briefly about the uh, left's assault on the liberty of millions of Americans using the Capitol riot as a justification. Uh, we had uh, new information this week from the Office of D.C. Medical Examiner, which finally released uh, details of the deaths of those who died that day, at least some of those who died that day. Ashley Babbitt, of course, uh, died of a homicide. She was shot by a Capitol Hill police officer, the details of which we have zero information, practically speaking, other than her name. We don't know who shot her. We don't know, no reports about how that investigation was handled, whether that was an appropriate shooting or not. Uh, and then there are three other individuals, all of whom had died from accidental or seemingly natural causes. One had an overdose and two died of heart attacks. Now, the Office of Medical Examiner, in announcing release of this information, talked about the civil insurrection, the unprecedented in our American, I, I don't have the language in front of me, outrageously political language in introducing his results. Outrageously political language that further undermines confidence in the American by the American people in the way those investigations are being conducted. And specifically with the uh, investigation of the death of police officer Sicknick, whose investigation uh, or the autopsy has not been released yet. You may recall they had to uh, uh, the me news media uh, said he died as a result of uh, citing sources, that he died as a result of being bashed in the head with a, uh, with a fire extinguisher. Turned out that wasn't the case. And seemingly all the evidence suggests uh, that he didn't die directly as any assault of anyone, that it wasn't a homicide. But of course, we don't have any conclusion one way or another. And the fact it's taken so long and we still don't have a conclusion it's a scandal. We sued for uh, this information uh, a few weeks ago. And believe me, we've asked for information about the shooting of that woman as well. We still haven't gotten anything. But why is it Judicial Watch is asking for basic information about the death of a police officer that was used to justify the impeachment of the president of the United States and all sorts of other activity designed to curtail the free speech rights of Americans and make American citizens by the tens of millions afraid of speaking up about issues of concern to them with relates to uh, the election, COVID, etc. And as I said, when we filed the lawsuit, the fact that you had this unusual and unlawful secrecy about his death investigation as I said, undermines public confidence in the fair administration of justice here. I mean, this is something we all have to come back to here. It, it's, it's, it's not only that justice be done, that, that it be, be perceived to have been done. Because if this death investigation has been hampered by political intervention, we need to know about it. And we have an office of, of the D.C. Medical Examiner 
issuing statements that are partisan and political propaganda about the civil insurrection while holding up key information, it looks like, about the death of a police officer that's at the center. Of the whole controversy about what happened on January 6th. And I can tell you, we're the only ones suing about it, as best I can tell. I get, we get, we're getting calls from a major media publication. Is there any update? You know, what's going on? We're doing the work of the media, Congress. I mean, the Justice Department has been going full bore against those who participated in that demonstration slash riot slash whatever you want to call it. And there are people who assaulted police officers. It's pretty clear. You can look at the video. Those people should be prosecuted. But there should be an equal application of the law. And now the courts have been asking the Justice Department, what are you doing here? I mean, you, we had one judge the other day, a few weeks ago, say, look, this guy's been in jail as long as he would be in jail if he were convicted of the crime from which he's charged. He's already been in jail that long. So I don't like the way the Justice Department is handling this. I don't trust the Justice Department. I don't trust the FBI. Just because I don't trust the FBI and Justice Department doesn't mean I think everything that happened that day was appropriate or lawful. It just means I don't trust the corrupted Justice Department and the FBI to, on their own, fairly prosecute and disclose information about what happened. We're being stonewalled by the uh, various agencies about this. We've had to sue the Capitol Hill Police Department for basic information. Why the secrecy? Why the secrecy? So no one else is talking about this, but Judicial Watch is in court trying to get to the truth here. That's why I get so upset and excited. I shouldn't say upset. That's why I get so energetic. How's that? I get energetic. It's what motivates me. Is because I know if we don't do it, no one else will. So we got to do it. Right. We got to do it. Otherwise, it we'll never hear the truth. It was so, it's been so true on so many public and major scandals. IRS abuse. Benghazi, Clinton, Obama. The slow motion coup against Trump. The Biden scandals. And now we've got the, the January 6th. Just now a date of infamy, right? The worst day in American history, according to the left. But no government transparency on it. Well, we're not going away. We're going to demand the truth. We're in court already for the truth. And we're going to be in court again asking for more information. So another uh, case that we're pursuing now is, uh, we're, or another case we're involved in now, is a case before the Supreme Court brought by uh, Asian American students, um, uh, an Asian American student group against Harvard that's uh, over their race-based admission policies that uh, discriminate against Asians. Uh, essentially, Harvard's using race to punish Asian applicants and using race to benefit other racial categories. 
and it's illegal, it's unconstitutional. Well, the Trump Justice Department was uh, pursuing a case, uh, but then the Biden administration came in, and because the left actually agrees with racial discrimination, uh, they dropped the case. Uh, but the private plaintiffs are continuing the litigation, and Judicial Watch filed a brief in partnership uh, with their friends at the Allied Educational Foundation with the Supreme Court, uh, encouraging the court to take up the case. And I want to read a little bit from uh, what we did here and describe it because, you know, our lawyers spend a lot of time working on this on this uh, material. And I don't want to give it short shrift by characterizing it in a way that doesn't give it its due because it's great work and it highlights the key issues related to a race-based discrimination by the left. Now, you've been watching the news, I'm sure, and you've been seeing the latest left-wing news obsession with so-called anti-American uh, anti-Asian uh, prejudice and harassment and violence, hate crimes, right? Well, the left doesn't care about that. I mean, they're just using it to advance their racially divisive uh, agenda, which is designed to undo America uh, because they endorse discrimination based on race. Let me say it again. The left does not oppose discrimination based on race. They endorse discrimination based on race. So when they call you or anyone else a racist for opposing their agenda, just remember they support race-based decision-making by government. And uh, we have filed this, uh, this brief that I want to go through with you. Uh, it's uh, The name of the case is Students for Fair Admission versus President and Fellows of Harvard College. Now, Students for Fair Admission argues that the admissions program intentionally discriminates, again, against Asian Americans on the basis of race and, and, vital, excuse me, and violates the Civil Rights Act, which bans unconstitutional race-based admissions by public universities. Pretty simple. Now, the, now, they also argue, this is where it gets into the law, I'm not a lawyer, I'll warn you, but uh, generally speaking, there's been a series of cases by the Supreme Court which seem to, which has been a kind of a semi-endorsement of these race-based admission policies. And accordingly, uh, the petitioners uh, say the Supreme Court should overrule the decision in, in Grutter versus Bollinger. So you can look that case up to find out what it's about, which held that the institutions of higher education could use race as a factor in admissions. That's right. The civil rights law bans discrimination based on race, but the Supreme Court in an abuse of power is decided it's okay. The petitioners allege that the discriminatory admissions policy violates the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. Now, you've heard the phrase Equal Protection Clause a lot. You probably haven't read the 14th Amendment recently. I'm going to read you what the Equal Protection Clause means. Again, think about this the next time you hear about diversity and quotas and equity, which is essentially quotas. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall bridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. That means you are protected under law from discrimination no matter what. And they can't introduce these 
categories of race when you tie it into the Civil Rights Act as a basis for discriminatory treatment. And we argued in our brief that, of course, the Equal Protection Clause is meant to stop this type of invidious discrimination. One of the core purposes of the Equal Protection Act Clause is to guarantee that individuals will be free from discrimination based upon race. It should come as no surprise to anyone that legalizing the use of race in deciding who is admitted to schools of higher learning has caused enormous conflict, including among members of the court. Meaning the court has been battling internally about allowing uh, race to be used as a factor in college admissions programs. Now, of course, the left, what they say is that we need to have race as a factor because we, quote, need diversity. And it's essential to a, a, a learning environment in the public university system or elsewhere to have diversity. So diversity means we can discriminate based on race. College and, and we write, colleges and university, college and university administrators might promote greater cross-racial understanding and tolerance in their students, not by racially discriminating against applicants for admission to their schools, but by working to make their schools more tolerant of the expression of different points of view. Admission programs that intentionally discriminate on the basis of race may themselves be negatively affecting the level of racial understanding and tolerance on college, on today's college campuses, which is obviously completely at odds with the notion of diversity being a positive. You know, and the other big deal here is that, as I pointed out, the I, and, and uh, the, the, I point out the judicial corruption in allowing this behavior to continue for decades. There were several cases in the past that allowed despite the clear language of the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause, race-based discrimination. You may have known, you remember Plessy versus Ferguson, Kormetsu, which was the uh, case that allowed the internment of Japanese Americans based on race or ethnicity, etc. Rulings by this court, which held that under the Equal Protection Clause, individuals may be treated differently based on race, have been wrongfully decided. So we tell the court, fix it. Plessy versus Ferguson, the famous separate but equal case that upheld separate but equal based on race, on an education. The court ruled that treating individuals based on racial classification did not violate the Equal Protection Clause. The court found that the government had justified its disparate treatment under the strict scrutiny test, which is uh, such, such cases uh, when such discriminatory conduct is uncovered. Uh, there has to be a strict scrutiny, meaning a very severe analysis, high bar to meet for the government to engage in that type of discrimination. Additionally, Judicial Watch argues that the case should be heard because the Supreme Court has failed to set clear precedent. They've been all over the map on this, on the issue of race-based discrimination programs. There's 43 years worth of cases that have failed to provide lower courts and university administrators about what constitutes a permissible race-based admissions program. This one key case called Backey 
has led to five rulings over 43 years, five rulings over 43 years, in which there are 26 separate opinions. In each, the court attempts to explain the constitutional rationale for allowing race-based preferences, even though these plainly conflict with the original meaning and the text of the Equal Protection Clause. So I want you, I want you to go read the brief, and I want you to go read more about the case so you are better equipped to deal with the radical left's dishonest attempts to use race to divide the country. They believe in racism. Constitutional conservatives, principled Americans, patriot Americans, they abhor the idea that some people get certain benefits based on their race. Not only do they think it, it's, it goes against any notion of fairness or any notion of your, your even kind of your moral religious views, but it's illegal. The left likes to pretend they're all their opponents believe in racial discrimination. That's not the case. That's a smear. In fact, they support systematically, in this case, admissions programs that racially discriminate on the basis of race. I guess that's redundant. And as I say in my statement with when we release this uh, this uh, brief, court-sanctioned racial discrimination in college admissions is contrary to federal law in the U.S. Constitution. The Supreme Court should stop abusing its powers to protect racial discrimination and uphold the rights of Asian American of, of uh, Asian students and other innocents punished for being the wrong race by Harvard and other universities. Talk about elitism. They treat you differently according to your race in many colleges. It's outrageous. And I know this is just the tip of the iceberg and the Supreme Court should step in and save the Constitution and protect the rights of Americans, or I guess further the Constitution from the assault that uh, it's uh, and the weakening it suffered uh, by members of the court itself And the organized left that has uh, come up with this uh, racial spoil system, which is an anathema uh, to our uh, constitutional republic. Uh, on a related note, I wanted to highlight for you a video that we produced uh, highlighting the story of our client, Coach Flynn, in Massachusetts. I told you about uh, the coach a few weeks ago. Uh, we're representing him in a case against Denim. Um, uh, uh, officials over uh, Dedham, which is a, a community up in Massachusetts. He was fired from his high school uh, 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 football coach position for objecting to Black Lives Matter and critical race theory propaganda in his daughter's ancient history class, who the daughter was in seventh grade at the time, and retaliation for complaining about it and, you know, just complaining quite professionally about it. He was fired. So we have a lawsuit, a civil rights lawsuit on his behalf. And we've explained it in uh, this excellent video that we produced. And I encourage you, I'm going to take a break here and we're going to play a little bit about it. My daughter brought up and says, I don't understand this. And we noticed that it was not ancient history and world geography that she was learning. She had to answer these bubbles that were coming out of a screen that determined whether she was a Democrat or a Republican. She didn't know if she was doing it right or wrong. She didn't know if she was supposed to answer it this way or that way. 
It was completely opinion-based. It had nothing, there was no, nothing about facts. We wonder what does this have to do with ancient history or world geography? It was just an outrage that somebody who uh, simply wanted to know what his curriculum was for his young daughter was fired from his job. Not only did they fire him, but they told him in the town that he was being fired because he exercised his First Amendment rights. You feel helpless. You know, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Cancel culture on steroids down here in Dedham. It's just unbelievable what they're doing to this man and his family. So we're back here. Uh, you can see that's a great video. Uh, you can uh, view it in full on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a link here or just go to our uh, YouTube slash uh, YouTube.com slash Judicial Watch. You can watch it there and it's online at our website at JudicialWatch.org. Uh, but you can see why it's a uh, it's an important case where we're so proud to represent Coach Flynn. I mean, you can just tell he's a great American. He's a great father a great husband, a great pillar of his community there. Uh, his wife is, is, uh, is, is uh, a strong as well, wonderful person. Uh, and you can just tell that this is the right thing for Judicial Watch to be doing. And, and our lawyers are so proud to be doing this work. And uh, Mike Bekesha, who is uh, uh, one of our senior attorneys here at Judicial Watch, is uh, taking a lead on the case up in Massachusetts. So I encourage you to watch the video, share it, and get the word out about this because this is endemic in our in our nation. Uh, this propagandizing by the communist left, uh, uh, targeting our children. As I said, this race-based uh, communism. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, could be the undoing of our republic if we let it get out of control. So we're going to fight it where the law allows. And when people's rights are being violated by those who are promoting this outrageous this, uh, this outrageous propaganda targeting our children. Uh, we're going to come in and defend them where we can. So we're proud of the case on behalf of Coach Flynn, and I encourage you uh, to learn more about it. And if you like this and the other great work that we're doing that I described in this video, I encourage you to support Judicial Watch. There's one thing I don't do enough on these videos is ask for money because we get contributions, and you should be giving contributions to Judicial Watch. If you are already, thank you. And I encourage you to give more contributions to Judicial Watch. If you aren't already, I encourage you uh, to support our work directly. And in the least, share your wealth in terms of the information that we're uncovering on behalf of you, the American people. Our chief goal is to educate you about what the government's up to. I mean, these lawsuits highlight government misconduct so that you are better equipped, as I say, uh, to, to stop it and tell your politicians and your elected leaders to stop it. How, do you, how can you stop bad things if you don't know what's happening? So we're essential to the functioning of our country, dare I say it. And we do it because we have the support of millions of Americans like yourself. That being said, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.